Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where now this is going to be, well, the word I'm thinking of also starts with an F-U. How it ends is all up to the Lakers, but it will definitely be fun interesting. I'll tell you that much, <laughs> because the Lakers are now browless. They are also now kingless. So essentially, we've got the league right where we want them. Right, Andy? Perfectly, yes. <laughs> We've got them in perfect position. Andy, in our Fantasy Basketball League, you had the perfect uh, team name for your fantasy team. Uh, you have LeBron James on your team. Uh, and at the start of the season, you you called your team the King's Gambit. And that is also the name of this episode. Because if anybody knows, I, I think I looked this up, but a Gambit, I think Gambit, by definition, is a move you make early on hoping it pays off later, right? Some, something of that sort. And not uh-huh. to say that this is all part of LeBron's master plan, <laughs> but let's just hope this is all part of uh, the basketball gods' plan for the Lakers this season, where LeBron James, though he's now out for about a month with a high ankle sprain, maybe is getting the much-needed rest that he probably deserves after playing around like 36 minutes uh, all season, right? We have to hope, at least. Uh, but hey, uh, we don't have LeBron, we don't have AD, uh, the trade deadline is this Thursday. 
uh, as will the buyout market due to some collateral damage uh, with whatever trades do happen. And we're here to talk about all of that. Uh, but before that, we're going to talk about the LeBronless life of the Lakers. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by Andy Chang, my best friend who's pinch hitting for my typical co-host, Tommy and Alan. Andy, how are you doing? And uh, yeah, just quickly, what is the seasonal item for McDonald's currently right now? And will uh, breakfast every day ever return? Now that we're <laughs> sort of moving back to normalcy here. It's in discussion all day breakfast, but uh, still no, no green light on that. But uh, if you haven't tried our chicken sandwich... Go try our new crispy chicken, either spicy or regular. It is something to compete with when you're talking about those uh, Chick-fil-A's and Popeye Popeyes. chicken sandwiches. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll check that out. Um, all right. As we wait for the all-day breakfast to return, we are, of course, also waiting for Anthony Davis and LeBron James to return. The Lakers are 28-16 and 16 after winning four in a row post-All-Star break. They've since dropped three in a row. Thank God we won four in a row coming out of All-Star break to give us a little <laughs> bit of a buffer. Um, really quickly, though, I just wanted to say RIP to Laker great Elgin Baylor. A uh, huge loss in the basketball community and purple and gold community. Uh, let's just hope we don't have to say RIP to the Lakers' playoff hopes. That was probably a poor joke. Anyways, let's talk about <laughs> LeBron James. Uh, LeBron-less life of the Lakers. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, uh, high ankle sprain for LeBron. Probably be out the next month or so. Andy, obviously, this has real life and fantasy implications for you. How tough is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantasy is devastating. I mean, we're scrambling to make moves. You got Curry, I got LeBron, and we're just uh, trying to hang on to our playoff lives here. But in reality, I think, like you said, it sets up perfectly for what uh, the master plan, the master king was thinking of in the beginning, which is basically set ourselves up for the future. You know, we got to practice uh, being good without the two kings on our team. And so um, this is the perfect opportunity. I think Dennis Schroeder said it perfectly. He was like, yeah, this is the chance to give everyone, uh, you know, their, their shot to shine. So... I think it's been a very terrible start <laughs> without them. <laughs> and, bumps, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to get that much better either, just by the looks of it. Um, but who knows, you know, trade deadline comes along and maybe Anthony Davis comes along in a couple of weeks. Uh, so hopefully it's not too much damage, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think there are definitely some short-term effects, regardless of whether or not they reflect the win-loss total, because let's be real, uh, we're not going to win a lot of games these next <laughs> next month or so, but I think the effects that it has on multiple guys who, not ne who haven't necessarily gotten enough run or reps throughout this season, I think that'll have a ripple effect down the line when once we have to call on them, they're, they've had reps. They have some sort of rhythm. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, what is this team without LeBron? What do, what do they look like? Uh, so I think the closest approximation we have, actually, is the 2018-19 Young Core Lakers when LeBron James first joined, um, except this team has, has more established vets. I think the talent is probably, if you take LeBron out of both, is probably similar uh, we just have more vets on this team. Um, so that LeBron-only led team was 20-14 and 14 on when 
the Lakers faced off against the Golden State Warriors that Christmas day. You remember we won that game against the Warriors, mm-hmm. but LeBron, you know, strained his groin. Uh, we were 20 and 14 coming into that. The next 17 games, which is pretty much just about a, a little over a month that LeBron missed that season, what do you think the Lakers' record was in those 17 games? The, the Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart Lakers. Maybe like 5 and 12 or something. Close. They were 6 and 11 without LeBron over those 17 games in that month. Now, we know what happened even when LeBron came back. There wasn't enough time for the whole team to find a flow and chemistry with each other, and they still lost games and inevitably missed the playoffs. The good news is, this time around, we created a much bigger buffer. I mean, we were third in the West, and obviously we have more veterans, better better coaching staff. And when LeBron returns, hopefully he'll also have Anthony Davis returning with him. So it won't obviously mirror the young core Um, that young core team, even when LeBron returns, for those who are a little bit scared that, oh no, will there be enough time for um, the team to find chemistry and a rhythm with each other because it didn't happen with LeBron last time. Rest assured, it should hopefully be a much easier process because when LeBron comes back, hopefully AD is already there with him. So with that said, and with that team as sort of like a proxy for this uh, group, um, what can the Lakers do in LeBron's absence right now? We've had a small sample size of about three games. Granted, the guys have played sort of hard. Tonight's game was especially ugly. How do you think they should play right now? Any guys that need to like adjust their games somewhat? Uh, yeah, what have your thoughts been on how this, uh, this ragtag group of guys look? Even though I think individually you look, look on paper and you're like, all right, Trez, Schroeder... Um, Kuzma, Markeef, like, those should be enough, right? But I think, I don't know, it may just be like a adjustment thing of these guys haven't played with each other either, so. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think they've had, you know, a lot of time just with the, those starting five or, or even, you know, the, the next two coming off the bench uh, playing significant minutes. I think, you know, tonight they came out pretty okay i think first quarter you know we were in the game and 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 then we just kind of lost it but um i think it's going to look a lot like that first quarter where Schroeder's dominating the ball i think kcp you know he just needs to find the shot (laughs) or else we're we're just gonna have to bench him you know It, it at this point i think putting tht in there instead of kcp or I don't know, switching something up because KCP's not finding his rhythm with or without LeBron. So something needs to change there. But of course, you know, I think we're both still high on uh, THG and we'd like to see him have a more significant role. Um, Especially, you know, if if we want to have him play significant minutes down the playoffs and, and, you know, the, the late stretch. So I'd like to see him kind of take over more and see if, we can get the ball out of Schroeder's hands sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing Kyle Kuzma try to play playmaker is not the best. Yeah. I'd rather have him just kind of settle in what he was doing because he was shining in what he was doing. But um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough, and, and I think it's just going to take time. But hopefully AD will come back and kind of save us before it all yeah. sinks to the bottom. 
Yeah, so quickly regarding tonight's game, I thought it was really odd that when THT came in, they had Caruso be the primary ball handler bringing the ball up, and THT was playing off-ball. And for a team right now that's so devoid of any sort of off-ball creation, I was like, why isn't THT just handling the ball and trying to make something happen, you know? They, they finally did it, like, in supreme garbage time, and THT got, like, three assists, and I was like... Yeah, this is how we should be playing, like the moment he's inserted, you know, to your point. Uh, so I hope they switch that up and utilize THT more and utilize him more with Trez and pick and roll because those two have some sort of weird dynamic connection going on, obviously. And to your point, Kuzma did a good job in the first half, like playmaking, but it's sort of one of those like quit while you're ahead kind of deals. Like, all right, you got six assists, but like we need you to score the ball because nobody else can score. And finally, yeah. in the third quarter, he started like popping those threes. And I was like, we should, you should have been doing that from the beginning instead of trying. Like, I get what he's trying to do, right? Because Schroeder dominates the ball, but is not necessarily a facilitator. So the ball needs to find energy somehow. And credit Kuz for being the guy to be like, all right, let's get people involved. But he also doesn't have like the handles and the ability to like break people off the dribble to like create what he wants to create. So there are a couple of times like tonight where he had an advantage driving to the rim, and I was like, time to go up strong, buddy. And then he, like, does some weird, like, pass, like, amongst the <laughs> yeah. trees, and it's just a turnover, and it's like, Kuz, you just got to score, dude. You got to, like, change the mentality really quickly here. Find that rhythm in the paint, because that's what we need, especially because the easy buckets are so hard to come by right now for this team. And I think it's going to be important to, one, I think for everybody to have that mentality that Kuz did, but not have Kuz necessarily be the one to implement that of, like, moving the ball movement, getting people to have that momentum and finding that energy so that everybody gets a feeling for the ball. But also they need to start running up and down, sort of like that Lonzo Ball team did, because that's the only way we're going to get easy buckets. Um, obviously not having Marcus Gasol is hurting us tremendously. You just saw our lack of size absolutely like is killing us. And I don't know about you, but I would have hoped, I don't know if you saw it tonight, but we should have been playing a lot of zone or something like that to just mitigate the fact that we were like Steven Adams was killing us and Zion was killing us. Maybe it was because we played some zone. I don't it know. I think it was. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time I saw the zone, they were just scoring on us. Okay, and I okay. think it's because people were out of position. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, either way, we're just trying to patchwork quilt, trying to make something work until we get some sort of like big relief, like whether that's Marcus Gasol or Andre Drummond, who we'll talk about in a little bit, right? But um, hopefully it's soon. But in the meantime, yeah, I think it's just about the team finding a rhythm here. And they showed some progress with regards to the three-point shooting. They actually shot really well from three-point land. It didn't end up mattering. Um so, yeah, we need some help in the big bigs department to help rebound and play better defense in the paint. And hopefully with some adjustments to how we're using THT with how Kuzma's playing his game and just hopefully attacking and being more aggressive versus passing. And Schroeder, too, I feel like it's the opposite with Schroeder, like for him not to get into a black hole of just chucking shots up and realizing that he's the only one who can sort of bend the defense. So now that's his way of being able to facilitate for his teammates as well. So... Uh, we'll see if it can all come together to produce some wins here and there because we're going to need them. Uh, one positive is Wesley Matthews seems to be shooting threes well again, so we need <laughs> we need that to continue. If KCP can hop on board, that would be great. So really quickly to end this first segment, uh, the Lakers' next 15 games, this is what it kind of looks like. We already dropped this one to the Pelicans, but 
Next 15, we've got Philadelphia, Cleveland, Orlando, Milwaukee, Sacramento, the Clippers, Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn, New York, and Charlotte. And that seven, one, two, three, seven game stretch from Sacramento to Charlotte is all on the road. Um, although Sacramento LA. and the Clippers, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still a long road trip to be flying around back and forth, et cetera. And then after that Charlotte game, we have Boston, Utah, Utah, Dallas at home. Given that those 15 games, what are you hoping for at least? Yeah, it's a tough, tough roadie there. Um, and then even when we get back, it, it, you know, we're facing the elite as well with Boston and Utah. So we'll be lucky, lucky to scrape by with four to five wins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, realistically, just based on the small sample size, it's, it's gonna look dicey, um, but it, hopefully we can get catch a uh, catch a team off guard. Maybe they're sleeping on us one night and hit a game winner or something. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't look promising. Yeah, I think so. I'm kind of right along with you in terms of I'm hoping for five ten at least, sort of in line with that what that young core team did. I think I said they were six and eleven through seventeen. I'm hoping for five ten, and I'm hoping for that veteranness to sort of kick in with like Schroeder, West Math, Markeith, and Trez eventually. Um, best case scenario would be six and nine, but that seems very unlikely right now <laughs> unless we get some help contextually with like certain teams just gutting their team at the trade deadline and all of a sudden turning to the tank, or certain guys being out for the other team. Um, so I'll say I'll go super optimistic and say the Lakers go six and nine in this stretch with wins against Cleveland, Orlando, Sacramento, Toronto, because I think Toronto is going to ship out Lowry, Powell, etc. Charlotte with no Lamelo, so that's five, and then pick one unnamed win we shouldn't get versus like the <laughs> Knicks, Miami, one of the Utah games, or like Dallas. I think yeah. I mean framing it that way seems sort of realistic. Um, but I'll go six and nine. If we can do six and nine, that would be, I think, pretty successful. Yeah. All right. But let's go like the median and let's say the Lakers go five and 10. If they go five and 10, they'll be 33 and 26 after all of this. Uh, when the young core, uh, played their 17 games and LeBron came back, I think the Lakers were like 26 and 25. So we're in a much better position then, now than then. Um, the other thing that we need to, I think, that helps us out is, regardless of what the Lakers do here, if the other teams that are ahead of them in the West also have a sort of subpar, mediocre stretch, then it might not even matter, you know, what we do. It's all sort of relative, right? So the Spurs, who are currently in seventh place at 22 and 18, if the Lakers go 5 and 10, they would have to go 11 and 8 in their next 17 to just have the same record as the Lakers. Now 11 and 8 is it's pretty doable for them, but they have a lot of back-to-backs within that stretch cuz they're trying to catch up to games that they missed due to like safety protocols and whatnot. But who knows what the Spurs do as well? I mean, at the trade deadline. Um but yeah, so that just gives you an idea of what the other teams above them have to do. The Mavericks, who are in eighth place, would have to go 11 and 7 in their next 18 to get to 33 and 26. So, and I think the Lakers, I forget what their series are against both teams, but they would have the tiebreaker against both, even if they get, even if like in a month's time, everybody's 33 and 26. So 
if LeBron James and Anthony Davis can come back at that time and we're in sixth or seventh place, I think ultimately we should be okay. There's probably be another rough patch of LeBron and AD sort of getting reintegrated and everybody getting adjusted, but I think a month prior to the playoffs from that point on should be okay. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like you said, to put things in perspective, you know, even more so this season, we have a we have a larger buffer because of that play-in spot. And so, you know, I'm for me, I'm not very concerned. Uh, we still have plenty of time in the regular season schedule. And like you said, even if we tank, you know, we're still looking at a low seed, which maybe might be in our favor. You know, if, if we're kind of like a six or seven seed going in, maybe that yeah. kind of gives us some fuels of the fire or more reason to compete, you know, to, to live That's up true. to the challenge that, you know, because you don't want to just go in and repeat as like a number two seed and think, oh, we're going to waltz in here and sweep everyone. I think the type of uh, competitor LeBron is, he relishes those types of challenges. And I think it sets up well for maybe what uh, is to come in the playoffs. But I think for us, you know, if if we can just test out whatever we need to test out during these ne- next couple weeks, you know, if it's, it's Kuzma trying to be a ball hander and realizing maybe this is not my forte, <laughs> or if it's, you know, uh, playing a bigger lineup and realizing this is not going to work. Something do, you know, Frank Vogel, just do whatever you want and let's figure it out and iron out all the details so that when the two stars do come back, everyone knows the role and, and can, you know, fit right into the last part of the schedule. Um, but I'm crossing my fingers that no more injuries happen. That would be yes. the worst case scenario. Yeah. Like burnout because sure. of the, the, the <laughs> short, you know, lineups that we're playing. Hopefully that trade, uh, trade deadline helps us out a bit too. Yeah, I think you make you bring up a good point because if the Lakers are sixth place, now I don't want to tempt fate and like get into that whole play-in tournament sort of deal because at that point <laughs> yeah. anything happens. You know, I don't want to be – although the Lakers would have two games to win one, what if someone goes down that first game and we're – you know, I, I just don't want to tempt fate. But if the Lakers can at least stay in that sixth spot – I think, like you said, I don't know what the last team was to win the championship at the sixth spot, but it would have to be pretty unprecedented. And I think for the Lakers to do that and sort of make things interesting, I guess, um, (laughs) would be one way to look at it. And I'm almost like, because of that angle, I'm almost like, just get the eighth seed because it's hilarious to have an eighth seed (laughs) sort of win the championship and see everybody else try and maneuver out of their way so that they don't have to play the Lakers. So, um, But with that said, the other unintended benefit is the Lakers draft pick is going to be better, (laughs) you know, uh, this summer. So they could actually flip that for a a better asset, I'd imagine. Probably now going to be in the, like, early 20s, if not, like, late teens, you know, and... Uh, they were probably planning to trade that anyways, but now it gains even more value because they're going to be a six seed, potentially. All right, with that said, uh, we're going to take it to break, and when we return, we will talk about the trade deadline, do a little trade preview, some names out there that we're kind of eyeing, and also look at the buyout market. Uh, so we'll take it to break first, and when we return, trade deadline extravaganza! <laughs> 
All right, so we are back as we turn our sights to the tra trade deadline and buyout market. Andy, just from like a general sense, what do you think are the Lakers' biggest areas of need? And let's assume one spot's reserved for Andre Drummond because that's where everybody says things are going. But I think even if it's not Drummond, you could probably assume big man here. You know, whether we re-sign Damon Jones again or bring Boogie or somebody. Let's say for now, Drummond's in that spot. So the Lakers have one additional spot. Um, whether it's just signing a guy outright or trading for another player, in general, what do you think they need right now to stem the tide without LeBron James and Anthony Davis and also maybe even when they return? I think it's pretty obvious that shooting is an issue, um, yeah. both in, you know, just looking at stats and just watching the games. <laughs> shooting in the, the, the prime moments, the big moments, um, that's kind of hurting us right now. And, and I think there are a lot of shooters out there to get. It's just finding the right one. Um, but then, you know, like you said, that big is also that void that we need to fill too. Unfortunately, you know, Trez just kind of being a little undersized is kind of hurting us at that point. But it just could be because of the depth issue that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um so I would love to see Drummond. That would just be, you know, uh, a matchup of the ages if we could go against the, the Nets in the finals. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, in terms of shooters, are we going into like who we're, who we're kind of eyeballing yet or just uh, the need? Just the need for now. So shooter is, is at the top of your list. I would, yeah, I would like to see a shooter, a 3 and D, but I don't really know if there's really anyone available at this point. Yeah. Okay, so my thing is I do think we need shooters. The Lakers could always use shooters because there is a Lakers curse, so you just want to stack up as many shooters as you can because one of them is always going to be off, so you're just hoping the other one isn't. Um, I do want to say, though, I want to caveat that by saying, like, hopefully a versatile shooter who can do a little bit more than just 3 and D because I feel like we have a lot of 3 and D guys who can't do the three part, right? Um, and right now, it's like Schroeder and THT are the only ones who can sort of bend a defense to even get shooters good looks. So I feel like we, outside of Drummond, we sort of need like more primary creation slash playmaking. Because as we've learned, Schroeder is not a facilitator. He's also not a, that great of a shooter. He's more of just like a slasher who can get to the free throw line sometimes, you know? But if his shot's not working like it wasn't tonight, I mean, credit to him, he had seven assists and, and zero turnovers, but on the usual, he's not really looking for guys. So just having an extra ball handler who can maybe hit a pull-up jump shot in the mid-range, kind of like Schroeder does, but also knows how to facilitate, I think would be optimal. Those guys are hard to find, you know, on the buyout market, but that's just like a certain need. With regards to Drummond, we just need size right now. You saw it. Like, just even having a guy like Drummond in, in Kaycock's spot tonight would have like, made huge dividends because we, we couldn't rebound the ball to save our lives. And Drummond is one of the best rebounders in the history of the NBA. You know, I mean, you can say he gets cheap rebounds, but he's just a rebounder. And this was a surprise to me. But did you know Drummond is a two-time All-Star? I do, yeah. <laughs> you do? <laughs> that well, that blows my mind. Because the East is so wacky. I think he's just been like injured replacements or something. Yeah, he, he definitely has. But I mean, that's still something, right? So, um, oh, yeah. 
And at the end of the day, look, Drummond is just another safety valve guy that you can throw the ball up to, and he's athletic enough and still young enough to catch that and dunk it in. And on a team like this, where it's so hard to come by, easy shots are so hard to come by, you need just any lob threats you can get. And Drummond is 7'6". I mean, not 7'6". He has a 7'6 wingspan, which obviously helps out with regards to catching lobs and rebounding. So, yes, Drummond would help out a lot and hopefully maybe get that, like, Schroeder pick-and-roll game going with, like, another big besides Trez, you know? Um, All right, with that said, quick lay of the land of the Lakers, uh, what the Lakers are looking at, and then we can get into some names. Because the Lakers are hard-capped for any trades that happen... They pretty much have to match salaries dollar for dollar. They can't go over because they're hard cap because they use their mid-level exception on Trez, which hard caps you. The Lakers are $1.51 million below the hard cap, which means they can't go over that at all. Being $1.51 million under the hard cap means that they can currently sign two veteran minimum guys at the prorated rate of six hundred and ten k per so two guys at 610 for the rest of the season would be 1.2. So you're fine. But when it comes to trades, if you do any trades on top of that, it has to match dollar for dollar. So keep that in mind. Other thing to keep in mind is Alfonso McKinney has a non-guaranteed $1.9 million contract next season. So if they can move him, which should be pretty easy because he's an expiring and also could provide another team with very mild salary relief because they can just cut... Alfonso McKinney and they'll get $2 million back in their books. Um, that would help them be a little bit more below the cap and I guess allow them to make a trade that's not literally cent for cent. So keep that in mind. Also, the Lakers are now eligible to trade their 2027 first round pick. So I actually <laughs> think this is important because 2027, the Lakers 2027 first round pick is probably the best first round pick that the team owns in the next few years. Wouldn't you agree? Because by that point, LeBron's gone. So if they want to trade that, if I was another team, I'd be like, yeah, give me that one that's way out there. I don't really want any other early ones anyways. So if the Lakers do are willing to part with that, I think they could get something of value. Um, On top of that, the next available second rounder they have is a 2023 second rounder. Um, So they can do 2023, 2024, and 2022. 20, 2025 second rounders that they can deal. And with second rounders, you can trade them like in, in succession. Um, unlike first rounders, which you, you, it's because of the Stepien rule, you have to wait like every other year. Second rounders, you can trade them year by year. Uh, so that's the Lakers landscape. Before I get into some like trade rumors or just like potential trade guys, Andy, do you have any that you've concocted in your head or anything that you've heard that like piques your interest? Just trades for now. I I have heard one that was uh, kind of interesting to me. I think it was involving Bogdan Bogdanovich. I can't even say his name. <laughs> was it Malcolm Brogdon or Bogdan Bogdanovich? Bogdanovich. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think it involved um, THT on the other end. What? On our end. Yeah. Uh, Whoa, I have not heard of this one. Yeah. Um, to match salaries, there's a throw-in to match uh, Bogdanovich's, but THT was pretty much the, the kicker. So mm-hmm. that one is kind of interesting because, you know, if we really are in that win-now frame of mind, which 
I don't know if we necessarily are. Um, that could be a move that could help us a lot. You know, you you talked about a shooter with playmaking ability, and I think he's the type of guy you could put the ball in his hands, and you might not think he's the best assist man, but he can yeah. he can handle the ball in ways that would surprise you. So um, he's a veteran guy too, to some degree, and, and I think he would fit in nicely with uh, you know the the core that we have. Um, so that that's the one that really stood out to me. Uh, I know we love THT, but uh, what what do you think about that? Okay, that one's interesting. I would say if you had told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have said, sure, because Bogdan Bogdanovich, in theory, like firing on all cylinders is like who you would want next to like a LeBron or like Anthony Davis. Like you said, like great secondary playmaker, shoots the lights out, etc. But the dude's been injury prone this year. And even when he was playing, he wasn't very good. And then on top of it, he's 28 already. So he's actually pretty kind of old. And he's making 18 million. So if THT is the center part of that package, we would still have to, at the very least, attach KCP, which you might not think much of. So that's KCP, THT that you get at 14 million. And then you probably add Wes Matthews, whom I guess you don't really care that much for anyways. And you can probably get to that. But that seems like a lot to give up for Bogdan especially if you're hoping that KCP sort of rebounds to like playoff P playoff KCP <laughs> at some point, which you're hoping because you've seen KCP do it, right? You in theory think Bogdan can do it, but uh, I think you lose a lot of defense in that respect. And then I think for me, just it, it's too short sighted for me because I think THT can also still help you out now, even just yeah. like defensively with his length and stuff. I, I mean, the shooting, like, intrigues me, like, all heck, but just having to sh- ship out that many guys and, you know, KCP being a core part of that, I think I'd say no. It is interesting, though, but right now I think I'd say no. Okay. Um, Fair. Fair. Do you enough. have any other ones that you want to throw out there? Oh, I'm curious to see what uh, what you have in store. Okay, so there is... Let's go, like, lower tier first to, like, kind of wet our palate, right? So... There have been these rumors that the Lakers have reached out to the Thunder about George Hill. Uh, now, George Hill's 35 years old, but he kind of does like this like stable floor general sort of deal that you need on a Lakers team, can shoot the open shot. Um, so Hill makes $9 million this season. The Thunder want draft pick compensation, so maybe that's the second round picks that we have. We give them multiple ones. Or maybe it's that 2027 first, which seems a little rich to give up, but you know, you're trying to go all in right now and LeBron doesn't care about 2027. Uh, so <laughs> let's say the Lakers are willing to give up the 2027 first rounder of theirs. Um, the other thing with Hill is his next year's contract is only $10 million, but it's only a million dollars partially guaranteed. So he's essentially an expiring and that's a pretty valuable contract to have. So would you trade, let's see, Obviously, you can trade KCP in our 2027 first straight up for George Hill. I don't know if we want to be doing that for a 35-year-old, uh, but let's say you take KCP out of that. This is going to make a lot of Lakers fans mad. I'm just trying to make the numbers work, okay? But let's say you do Caruso, Wes Matthews, and like Alfonso McKinney and a 2027 first for George Hill. 
would you do that, assuming that George Hill doesn't get bought out? Obviously, this is already tricky a trade to even come to terms with because George Hill may get bought out, but let's say he doesn't get bought out and that's what the Thunder want. Caruso, Wes Matthews, Dudley, and the 2027 first for George Hill. I already think that's super rich, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a little too much. Uh, like you said, the ideal situation would be a buyout, but... Um... To make that same comparison as you did with KCP, Caruso, he, yeah, you know, yeah. is a he champion. He started the last game of the final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I mean, how many rings does George Hill have? I, I don't think he has any. So I don't know. Like you said, I, I would probably hold the reins. Wait, yeah. One. Wait, wait for the buyout, Mark. All right. So let's start to get a little bit juicier here. Victor Oladipo, it's no secret that the Houston Rockets are trying to trade him. Very far-fetched that the Lakers can get involved just for the simple fact that they would have to match Oladipo's $22 million like <laughs> percent, right? Or he's $21 million expiring, actually. But let's say, let's say that they do like Oladipo and are planning to maybe even have him long-term. He's played well this year when he has played. I mean, that's... A, key qualifier when he has played Mm -hmm. he still is injury prone but he does have a very sexy game i think three-point shooting wise even though he's only only shooting 36 percent, he's shooting them at a high volume hitting 2.8 a game which is very nice Uh, he is averaging 1.7 steals so that's good um would you trade schroeder west matthews mckinney and a 2027 first for oladipo Ooh. That's a tricky one. I mean, so I'm I've been a fan of Oladipo this this year mainly because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> and so when you say, you know, he's been playing well when he does play, that is key and I can I can definitely speak to that. Um but Oladipo, I don't know if he's the type of guy that fits in with our core. I mean, to see let's put him at uh, you know, AD and LeBron. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to work out the way that, you know, he's accustomed to playing and, and it definitely be a huge adjustment for him uh, just to kind of be a third guy um, and maybe even fourth. I don't know if Kuzma has anything to say about it. But, um, yeah, Oladipo, he's, he's a little too injury prone for me um, based on the injuries that we have already this year. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. He'd essentially, I think, while you can probably argue that Schroeder hasn't necessarily been a great fit with LeBron and AD either, VO may just be in the same position once he's here. And you may get, <laughs> we may be as frustrated as we are sometimes with Schroeder as we are with Victor Oladipo. Uh, and the added fact that I, I think at this stage, Schroeder's probably a better defender with how scrappy he's been and how he always dies for loose balls and stuff. So at least you have that continuity with Schroeder now. Um, so as much as I think that Victor Oladipo is the sexier player for sure, and for in sure. the st- in the gap right now, we'd probably have a lot more fun watching him take over because I think the argument for Oladipo is, as opposed to Schroeder, who right now, I think it can be said that Schroeder just can't carry a team, you know? He's better yeah. suited as that, like, six guy, as that third ball handler with CP3 shy or whatever to, like, cause yeah. havoc. But when you when he's the guy who's supposed to lead the team... I don't know how good of a job he can do. 
Oladipo, I feel like, yeah, on a certain game, he might just take over and we'll win the game, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's my argument for Oladipo. But you're right. When, when LeBron James and Anthony Davis come back, how well is that actually going to go for us? And you're giving up uh, additional assets. You can, you can swing this trade other ways. You could put KCP in there, but then you'd have to add Wes Matthews, Markeith Morris, McKinney, etc. Um, you can add Harrell in there. KCP and Harrell. I think that would be stupid because we just need Harrell scoring <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, so let's put Oladipo to the side, as intriguing as it is. My last like big splashy one would be a potential Malcolm Brogdon trade because for some reason his name is floating out there, probably even more far-fetched. But let's say this is the one that the Lakers are willing to surrender THT for. (laughs) (laughs) Would you build a package around THT, Schroeder, Wes Matthews to get Brogdon in now? Brogdon only makes $20.7 So if you add all those three together, you can pretty much get there. I really like this trade, as (laughs) far-fetched as it is. Um, I think Brogdon is is a perfect fit. You know, he doesn't really need the ball as much um and he definitely is not you know the the go-to guy so he would fit in nicely with you know the core um he he has a very underrated game i think we all kind of know that and just the stats don't really show what he can do out there so i would pull the trigger on that one for sure but i don't know why his name is even being mentioned out there it just doesn't even make any sense yeah I think if I were the Pacers, I mean, I don't know if there are a lot of like young, intriguing upside guys on the market right now more than THT. THT's problem is he's expiring this year and you'd have to pay him again next year. So that's the tricky part. But let's say they're, they're, they're enthralled with THT. Yeah, this is the deal to do it for, you know, to give <laughs> THT up for, for sure. All right, but that's likely not going to happen. So let's go to like smaller trades again. Let's go from the flashier back to like the super ancillary. Um, Zach Lowe brought this trade up, just like something that he concocted in his head. KCP and the 2027 first-round pick for Evan Fournier of the Magic, and the Magic are looking to blow things up. What about that one? That's an interesting one. I feel like they're, they could be a splitting image of each other. I mean, <laughs> Fournier is... Um, I don't really know too much about him, but his, his main calling card is that shooting ability. So if we are really giving up on KCP, which I don't think we are, um, you know, this might make sense. But uh, I, I'd rather just go with KCP and since he's proven he has a playoff self um, and hopefully he shows up when the time comes. So I, I want to bring it back to your initial Bogdan Bogdanovich trade because Evan Fournier is who you think Bogdanovich is, at least this year. <laughs> Uh, because Evan Fournier is averaging 19 points, 3.6 assists, uh, hitting 38% from three, two, making 2.7 a game. I think he could be that perfect in-betweener of like shooter, but can also like primary create if need be and be a ball, extra ball handler. Last few games, 31 points, five threes, 16 points, 31 points, six threes, 26 points, five threes. I mean, look, there's a, not a good magic team, but... His shooting profile and just like his more versatile game is pretty good. I think that's one I do KCP in the 2027 first four. But mm, uh, understandable if you want to stand pat. But I, I think Fournier is more who you think Bogdanovich <laughs> is <laughs> if he were fully healthy. Uh, okay. Goran Dragic. 
he's been injured this year, and he actually might get bought out. So I mentioned this on Twitter. Keep a close eye out on what happens with the Raptors and the Heat, especially if Lowry goes to the Heat and Drogic goes to the Raptors in like a salary, just to match salary, because the Raptors may just buy Drogic out because at this point they're going to be trying to tank, right? So in a buyout scenario, obviously, the Lakers should go after Drogic. The Clippers will probably get him because they have more of that need. Um, but let's say the Lakers want to trade for Drogic. I think you could probably make a KCP, McKinney, West Matthews work for Drogic right now. But I think at that point, it's probably too much injury risk, right? Yeah, I don't even know how many games he's played this year, but it's not many. And at this point, we need healthy guys. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I'll yeah, pass that's on that That's true. <laughs> that's a good, a good point. Um, okay, another Orlando Magic guy. KCP and McKinney, and let's say we throw in our first again for Terrence Ross. Uh, Terrence Ross is making 13.5 this year on the books for two more years on a declining salary. He's 29 years old. With KCP and Alfonso, you pretty much match that number cent to cent. Yeah, what about Terrence Ross? Just a dynamic shooter. I think a little bit more versatile than KCP, able to hit a uh, pull-up mid-range J, more athletic yeah, didn't he score like 50 points one time or He something? did, but so did Corey Brewer, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's... I'd rather have Fournier than, than Ross, but, sure. um, you know, who knows? Yeah, and that's only if you've given up on KCP, because I think Terrence Ross is a more reliable, like, knockdown three-point shooter who can get a little bit more supernova. Uh, but it is, I think it is intriguing if you're just looking for that added scoring and a little bit more versatility offensively. Um, what about, these is starting to get a little bit lame, but KCP in a second for Reggie Bullock, which we've already gone this road before. <laughs> right, Reg, Re, Reggie Bullock and Nerlens Noel. Before you go crazy, Reggie Bullock is playing pretty well right now. Like post All-Star break, I think he's hitting like 3.73s a game on like 46% shooting. And Nerlens Noel obviously steals blocks galore and just a lob threat. Uh, if you're getting those two guys for KCP, is it worth it or not really? Well, I think when you bring up that name, it kind of gives us uh, PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, I think it depends. If if we don't have Andre Drummond in our radar anymore, or even a white side, then maybe Noel kind of stands out as you know the a, a good option to have as a as a big. Um, but to put Bullock in there as, as the, <laughs> the, the number one guy, I don't know. I, mean, I think I would put Noel kind of, you know, yeah, in front sure. of that name, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to have Bullock, let's just put it that way, but who knows? Maybe yeah. it'll work out a second time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm starting to get wacky with these. We'll go through this quickly. Caruso McKinney for Rajon Rondo. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) We need the playmaking, man. Uh, We need the playmaking. Okay, I I guess that's a no for you. Uh, Mm. But honestly, we could use an extra ball handler, but uh, what happens when LeBron and AD come back? Who knows? Playoff Rondo, that's what. Uh, Okay. um, Danwell House. Caruso and McKinney for Danwell House. Better shooter, you can argue, maybe has some defensive potential as well that can make up for the Caruso loss. Uh, the bubble antics aside, what about that one? Yes, I saw that one, and I was slightly intrigued. I'm not going to lie. 
He's a kind of a a, a smaller three four guy, uh, but that might work, you know, because if if we want to invest more on THT, we clear up that space by shipping Alex out and uh, maybe bring in a, a more reliable shooter in house. What do you think of yep. it? No, I, I I would do that. Although Lakers Nation will be an absolute. <laughs> But yeah, I think it helps out in just the sense that you get a reliable knockdown shooter who can give you a little bit more dimension on the floor while not losing that much defensively as well. So, um, All right, let's move on to buyout market, guys, really quickly. Um, I already mentioned Goran Dragic. Uh, DJ Augustine's on the Rockets because of that Bucks trade. I guess he would be a guy that the Lakers could look at for extra help. Um, I'll throw out some names. You tell me any that interest you. Let's talk about guards and playmaking first. There's DJ Augustine, as I mentioned. Isaiah Thomas, who played for Team USA, I think like three games or something for Team USA in some qualifying rounds, knocked down some three-pointers, whatever. Jeremy Lin, who just played in the G League and threw nine games, averaged 20 points, like nine, seven assists, uh, 50, 40, 90 from the field, I think was two point, made 2.53s a game, etc. Played really well in the G League. Um, but obviously hasn't been playing NBA in the last year or two years at this point. Yeah. But he's out there. Uh, George Hill, I I brought up if he's bought out. And then we have Dion Waiters from, from last year and Shabazz <laughs> Napier. So it's slim pickings for the buyout market playmaker crop. Do any of those names intrigue you? And let's say you had to pick one out of those guys, who would you pick? So DJ, yeah. Lynn, IT, Dion, George Hill. Okay, let's take George Hill out because that's a, a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, DJ, Lynn, IT, Dion, Shabazz. Well, if we're trying to make a political statement, we'd, we'd go with uh, Jeremy <laughs> Lynn. <laughs> Absolutely. Stop Asian hate. Hashtag stop yes. Asian hate for sure. Um, he looked good. I'm saying, like, I watched all the G League games. He looked good. Whether that translates to the NBA, I'm not sure. But the Lakers don't need very much more than just a guy who can facilitate. And I think Lynn has transformed his shot to the point where he's a volume three-point shooter now. I'll just say yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, all we need is a little stretch, and he's proven with Lynn's sanity. Anything is possible. <laughs> True. It would be a good redemption story for sure. Uh, I'd probably go Jeremy Lin first and then maybe kick the bucket on Isaiah just to be like, yeah, let's see what you can do. But he's so small, and I don't necessarily know if he's a playmaker too. It's just kind of redundant with Schroeder, although you get more shooting for sure. But maybe a redemption story for IT in terms of his (laughs) story with the Lakers and also his story with LeBron. I don't know. Um, Okay, shooters. Wayne Ellington, J.J. Redick, potential guys who could get bought out. Do any of those guys in, intrigue you? I mean, both of them do for me. I'm like, any any shooting, yeah. let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say Redick over Ellington. Um, just because we've already had Ellington, and that doesn't, that doesn't really, you know, pique my interest that much. But yeah. uh, Redick would be interesting in that he's more of a veteran guy who's played a significant role. And I think he could... He, he seems like a locker room guy too. He could fill in, um, you know, let's say if we do cut one of those locker room guys, uh, he could <laughs> fill in that role and still kind of give us hope that he can regain his shot back. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, last category, defensive wings, or like guess 3 and D wings. These are the names that I came up with who could potentially get bought out. It's pretty slim pickings as well, but out of Denzel Valentine, Garrett Temple, and Al Farouk Aminu, uh, do you like any of those? Would you take any of those guys? I think if Otto Porter got bought out from the Bulls, of course he'd like shoot up to number one, but I don't think that's happening. So we'll go with his other teammates, Dento Valentine <laughs> and Garrett Temple instead. But do any of those guys intrigue you? Yeah, I think we're on the same page. None of them really do. But if I had to choose, yeah. I'd say Garrett Temple just because he's probably a little more versatile than the yeah. others. But yeah, Otto Porter would be the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, last point I want to make, and this goes back to when you were on our predictions episode. My bold prediction for that episode was DeMarcus Cousins would make his way back to the Lakers somehow. <laughs> and I actually think with LeBron James and Anthony Davis now out and the Lakers so pinched for any sort of creativity offensively, I actually don't think it would be a bad idea to bring DeMarcus Cousins on because even if he's not a defensive player anymore, he proved in Houston that one, he can still shoot, he can still rebound, and he can still play make. And he's kind of, uh, I still think Marcus Saul is probably a better overall player, especially if you take into account the defense. But it, offensively, I think DeMarcus Cousins has a lot more pop, can probably do a lot more off the dribble and actually post up more than Mark can. So even just having a dynamic of like, throw the ball into the post and let DeMarcus do something, and he'd be able to actually do something, I don't think it would be such a bad idea if the Lakers lose out on Drummond to just bring DeMarcus back because we kind of need the offense, you know? So what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I agree. I think he has proven just in the small range of games he played this year that he has his offensive game back. Yes, he is defensively challenged, I guess. Um, but, you know, we've proven as a team we can play pretty well uh, on the defensive end. And even more so, I think it helps that he was with us last year. So the camaraderie is already kind of there. And it, it wouldn't really take much time to integrate him into our, our uh, offense. For sure. All right, Andy, I, I'm going to spring this on you to close the show. The Lakers, after trade deadline and buyout market season, have who? Who are their new members on their team if they have any at all? I'm going to say Andre Drummond and J.J. Redick. Oh, nice. I like it. I can get on board with that. I'm going to say Andre Drummond and uh, <laughs> George Hill. All right. Those hey, are, those are my better. two guys. Yeah, we'll, so take we'll see. We'll see. All right, Andy, thanks for joining me. We will now... Brace ourselves for the storm to come or whatever the heck is going to happen this Thursday. I think we're bracing ourselves more for the fantasy implications, but uh, we're hoping <laughs> that this buyout and trade market has good things for the Lakers because they could use some extra help in the shooting, big creation department, you name it, um, while they wait out uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, hopefully getting healthy in their uh, secret cryo chambers. So uh, <laughs> thanks for joining me. Uh, anything you want to plug? Before we go, <laughs> I have nothing to plug. I only want to say that we're in, we're going to make a huge run, I think, um, once everyone yeah. gets back. And I think for all the Laker fans out there who are kind of worried right now, you should be at ease because mm -hmm. Vogel 
has got it all under control. There you go. You heard it right there. Best six seed in NBA history. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. Let's make the shirt right now. Best six seed, hashtag we believe, et cetera, et cetera. All right, Andy, thanks for hopping on, and we will catch you again later once uh, we're throwing lobs to Andre Drummond and stuff like that. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.